Welcome everyone to the Leadership Evolve podcast, where each week we're gonna explore modern principles and philosophies to help you lead a better life, both at work and at home. For this episode, I wanted to share my love for social-based organizations. I find it fascinating how social entrepreneurs first ask, what is the difference I can make? And then they build a business around it. I think that balance of staying true to your mission while turning a profit is incredibly challenging and thus I know it takes a special kind of leadership to run that kind of an operation. My guest today is the co-founder and COO of Naledo, which is a food manufacturing organization famous for their truly turmeric paste. Besides my obsession with turmeric, what really drew my eye to Naledo was that it is laser focused on creating a sustainable supply chain by placing an emphasis on small scale growers. All of their products are sourced from Belize and they pay their farmers 28 times more than any other buyer. And with that, they aim to enrich those communities so children and the families there can truly thrive. This mother-daughter-led organization is truly inspirational from the beginning to where they are now. And the recent B certification they received is a big accomplishment of how far they've come. Everyone, please give it up for Narina Switla. When I was buying it, one of the things that is so awesome at the end, uh, you know, because you guys have that deep social purpose with it, you know, I got that a little sense of more fulfillment that I was just buying, you know, another food item. Uh, You know, I got that sense of fulfillment that I was kind of making a difference. And obviously, I'm on the consumer side of it. Well, you definitely, you are making a big difference. I mean, it's... uh... There is so much love and hard work that goes into this product. And so when you do buy that jar, uh, you know, that means a family can send one of their kids to school all the way to high school. It's like big differences like that. Someone can finally afford medication for somebody in their family or they can build a house like these. It may feel like a small purchase in terms of like it's one little jar, but the added income that those growers make it makes a huge difference in their lives. So I'm glad you felt that when you bought it. <laughs> yeah, no, it definitely did. And and I know that it's it's not easy for me to be able to purchase it and do that quickly and for it to be a business mm-hmm. and to have that purpose. Uh, on your end, you know, uh, for you to be able to not only manage it from a business perspective, but keep that purpose mm-hmm. alive and, and well. So when I do buy it, I still get that fulfillment. Um, I'd love to first hear just, your original kind of motivation into getting in this and and being fully about the purpose but overall how you've been able to you know manage it from an operational perspective but at the same time lead a team and making sure they're all you're all still so focused and passionate like you are about your purpose Mm -hmm. for sure it's i I mean i I would say it's definitely not an easy task but uh One of the, in starting the company, um, when I looked at starting this company with my mom, uh, we're like, this is a great product. We've got a a first in the world, but we can't just be about making money. We have to make money, of course, but it was something that we wanted to have um, from the beginning. And that's also why we became a certified B Corporation. Have you ever heard of those before? Yes. So that's how actually I came about you guys. So um, I heard about certified B corporations and and I went on their site and I honestly, I was blown away because 
you hear so much about social enterprises and but to see so many companies that instead of first starting out with how can I make money, how can I meet a demand? And instead you start out with, you know what, I want to help this group and I want to make a difference here. And then you build out the business. I just think it's so fascinating. Um, and especially with what you and your mother have done, starting a business from that, I don't think people understand how difficult it is to make it a business instead of just a philanthropy. And obviously that goes credit to a lot of what you and, and your mother uh, have done. And, and, and I understand if I'm correct, your your mom did a lot of the R&D in the beginning. Um, and, and then you... And then you came into it. Um, I would love to hear right before that what your mindset was and what you want to do in your life. And what was it about Naledo that you ultimately said, you know what, I'm dropping what I'm doing and and I want to invest all my time into this. Uh, So I always I've been learning. Uh, I think I was born to be an entrepreneur, Mm -hmm. but it it worked for great companies. I just was like, ah, this is not vibing with me. And so when Umida, (laughs) she showed me the first the very first bottle of this turmeric paste and she showed me how she was going to have the branding. And I remember taking one look at it and going, no, 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 this isn't, this isn't going to work. This, it was like some weird, it was like a, a weird hand made out of turmeric root. It was just like, mm-hmm. it, it looked horrible. And, and immediately I just started jumping in like, okay, we're get, We'll do this. We'll talk to this <laughs> designer. We'll figure, we'll figure out how to price it. And I think it just, I had, some small experience with management Uh and but this is you know obviously (laughs) the first company I've ever run so you have to and being a young woman in business in a country uh, other than my own Canada uh, it's been interesting to try and a lot of people don't think I'm the owner of the company or one of the owners and you know it's an interesting role to be in as a as a young woman to have to step up and take charge um and lead a team that maybe not used to having a woman leading the team <laughs> that's awesome especially cuz you felt it so instinctual as far as you said being born an entrepreneur and you kind of had to obviously dive in into uh, being that COO role Having to do that and you having to basically take that dive into the deep end, what was your experience when you first went in as far as, okay, I don't really have any experience in management or leadership, but I, I have to get to know quick. What is What was the best tools for you to grow as a leader? And even now, how what do you use to continue to grow as a leader and, and continue growing your skills as a manager as well? Leverage your, your network of mentors, mentees, people that are around you that can then help out. Um, But it all comes with you have to have a little bit of resilience because your gut decision sometimes is completely off. You might think, yes, this is the right way to lead this team or this is the right business decision and you're completely wrong. And you have to be okay with that. You have to be okay with some failure. (laughs) Um, And also being okay with being outside of your comfort zone. I think that is a huge part of entrepreneurship and to be somewhat like if you're a young person who's aspiring to be an entrepreneur, you have to know I have to be resilient. I have to be outside of my comfort zone. Most of the time you have to challenge yourself because you need to grow as much as your business needs to grow. And that's so hard. You know, you tell people you have to be uncomfortable and it's in like every aspect of life, whether physical or Mm -hmm. work or at home. And it seems like we build our lives to 
not hit those moments of adversity or to not hit those uncomfortable moments, right? But it seems like Mm -hmm. those are the moments, especially when you look back in your life, like those are the moments where you grow the most. And it's such a, Mm -hmm. I constantly have this conversation with my buddies and because it's Mm -hmm. it's so interesting because uh, say hypothetically, like having kids, right? You you Mm want to give the kid the best life. You don't want them to go through any hardships, but the people you hear like have the most successful, unfortunately, they kind of had a tough childhood or they had to go sure. through some very hard moments. And I'm sure you have and I have as well. Mm-hmm. For example, I my father passed away when I was in high school. And, mm-hmm. you know, at the moment it, it was tough and I, I wish it didn't happen. But if that didn't happen, I wouldn't kind of be where I am today. And I owe yeah. that to that time. So it's such a I don't know. It's so weird to me that we're always conflicting between we want to make sure our lives are easy. But like you said, those mm-hmm. uncomfortable moments is that that brings out the resiliency. And yeah, I'd love to get your thoughts on that and, and what you think of that balance. For sure. I think, uh, I mean, that's a great point. So uh, Umira, my mom, my business partner, she mm-hmm. came to Canada as a refugee in the 70s uh, with wow. with one suitcase. And it's an, it's interesting to see the dynamic between the two of us because uh, she is a lot less fearful in the business. Um, mm. Being from, you know, being somebody who has lost, literally lost everything. Um, she doesn't feel as much fear when it comes to like cash flow and taking on loans and looking for investors. Whereas I think, I've never had to experience being a refugee and losing all of that. So I'm a bit more fearful. I'm like, well, if our cash flow isn't, isn't good this month, like, are we going to be able to make rent next month? If I have more of those um, gut wrenching moments and, and Umida's like, it's going to be fine. We have to focus on our sales <laughs> and growing our business. <laughs> so I think, yes, adversity builds, it builds the resilience that you need in business. And when you have everything handed to you uh, or you don't have to struggle or work for it, uh, then I think you become more complacent. There's, I think, love change and love challenges. Yeah, no, and and you're exemplifying that right now. And I was just going to, you brought me to my next point. I was going to ask about you and your mother's relationship Mm -hmm. and working in this business. Because, again, in my experience growing up, you know, the advice that I got at at school and everything is don't mix friendship and family with business. Don't mix that, right? Right. You hear that left and right, but you two are so inspiring, honestly. And, And you mentioned, you touched upon it right now, really seems like what has worked so well is you do have that balance. Mm-hmm. Do you think that that's been the key to it is because your mom is a little bit less fearless mm-hmm. and you're a little bit more constrained beyond that balance? What else is it that you think has worked so well with you two? Well, I think, um, I mean, just like yourself, uh, my, my father died when I was young. So it's actually been just my mom and I, uh, in our family mm-hmm. for a lot. I mean, I have a big extended family, but, uh, nuclear family wise it's just my mom and I and so we trust each other a lot and I think that's the piece about who you go into business with that is more important than whether they're a family a friend or or anything you have to trust this person um implicitly like you you know I don't second guess decisions that my mom makes and I would feel comfortable uh letting her make a a deal with a retailer without me in the room and telling me after and yeah. and so it doesn't matter whether it's a, a family or not but you have to trust the person mm-hmm. and i think that is why a lot of people caution against 
working with family is because if you don't trust that person, it will be exposed very quickly in business. And then that relationship can be strained. Um, so you, so you have to have that trust. My mom and I, um, we have a, luckily, I think we balance each other out. Uh, so, you know, she's a big picture thinker. She came up with the idea for the product. I'm the detailed analytical person. Um, so (laughs) we, we, our strengths balance each other out. Um, and as well, when our team, when we hire new people, we're not looking for people that are exactly, you know, I'm not going to look for someone that's exactly like myself. I look for people who have different strengths than myself because you don't want to be on a team where, you know, you're all, you all have the same strengths. You all have the same ideas. You need to have that challenge and that back and forth. And, uh, you know, that makes a good team. So, yeah. so that's lucky. I'm lucky that my mom and I work that way together. No, it, it, it definitely seems that way. And I think when I look at uh, leadership, yeah, when I was growing up as a leader, and just to give you an idea, I, I managed just a small sales team. And mm-hmm. when I was go- starting out, just like an entrepreneur, there's no training officer coming up saying, you know, here's a binder full of lessons and this is how to be a leader. And I remember I had a, a roommate at the time and uh, he was my mentor kind of growing up too. So we had that relationship. But I remember I used to go to him after work and um, be like, hey, I've, you know, I've read all these books and I've, I've watched all these videos and seminars. I've attended all these. But my one of my employees comes in and he's sad. I don't know why he's mm-hmm. sad. I don't know if he's not motivated. And he kind of started laughing at me because he's like, it doesn't matter what you read. It doesn't matter what you've done. This That's why leadership is so complicated mm-hmm. is because you're dealing with human emotions. Mm-hmm. And I started really looking for the first time that leadership is an art, mm-hmm. but it's also science because I read so many great things that I was able to implement. Mm-hmm. And I have this debate too with, and honestly, whoever I encounter, mm-hmm. uh, especially people like yourself. Mm-hmm. So I, w- I want to ask you, what do you think it is? Do you, do you think it's an art or science or do you think it's a little bit of both? Um, I for sure, I for sure, I think it's a little bit of both. Uh, I think that the art, the art side of it, um, being a natural born leader, um, there are certain things that you either have as a person or you don't have. Um, and train yourself, you know, you can, you can train yourself to be more, to be a, a great leader. Um, so that's the kind of art side. It's like that gut emotional side of it. And then the science side is, you know, there are, HR is one of the biggest parts of business because if you have unhappy employees, your business isn't going to happen, you know? Um, So the science part is uh, there are great tools out there uh, to help you manage teams. What are effective leadership strategies for different personality styles? And you can learn all of that and put it into practice and test. Is this working with my staff or is it not? Did this, you know, and, and use that kind of scientific approach to the methods that you use to lead. So definitely, I think it's a, a little bit of both. But um, if you don't have that desire to be a leader, it's really hard to pull that out. Of yeah, mind. no, you're, you're totally right. And it's something that uh, I kind of love that there's no blueprint for it exactly. But um, like you mentioned, I think there's some instinctual stuff that you have to have or, or mm. you just you can't do it. Well, I think the simplest thing is that uh when you have somebody who's running a, a huge corporation that does not look at its environmental and social impacts and only focuses on its profit, then you have a top-down style of leadership, which is I have to make the most money with the least expenses. 
And then it trickles down into your staff experience where, uh, you know, you, you're, you're not really caring if they're happy because you want to make the most money. And so I think that is one of the biggest causes of, of poor leadership is that they have people, even managers in a company, they have metrics that they have to hit um, that are tied to profit only. And it, it kind of like forces them to work their team in a way that is not um, compassionate and it doesn't have as much empathy. And on the flip side, I think, and, and they're really caring more about not only profits, but the other sides of of business. So I think that's where it, it plays into leadership. Yeah. And, and you really nail it. I, you know, I was on that B certified page and like I said, I was so blown away by it and mm-hmm. I couldn't stop thinking that why can't every business be like this? Why is it that a yeah. social enterprise is almost a subcategory of business when, when in reality, I mean, you really nailed it the way you explained it. If your root of your business is focus on purpose and, and making a difference and having that service-based purpose, then it will naturally occur that anyone there as well will have to emulate that. Yeah. But I think, like you said, so many businesses start with, you know, how can we make a profit or how can we make a demand? And mm-hmm. God knows, who, how can we stop that? We can't. But I guess it, it might be a utopian idea, but I do envision a world where why can't every business have that kind of social-based service that you're doing. And, and I think you're truly an inspiration, um, for that kind of business model. And I, I, yeah. And I envision a world where we can have less businesses, you know, not that I don't want people making money by all means do it. And, and you've really shown that balance that you can do it. You can do a product and meet demands of people like me that love turmeric and I'm going to use it. And uh, there's nothing wrong, but at the same time, you're, it's a service based and, um, it really seems like you're thinking the same way then. And do you, I guess, envision a world like that as well, where almost all organizations, you know what I think, do you I'm, think it's I'm possible, hopeful, I guess I'm hopeful <laughs> that, um, the more and more that we choose with our dollar to support these uh, types of good businesses, responsible businesses, the faster the big guys will, will catch up because uh, they still want to be competitive. Yeah, no, you're totally right. And it's, it's, I think it's a consumer's responsibility as well, um, to, to, be uncomfortable as well. Going back to what you're saying, I think too much pressure is always mm-hmm. put on um, the the supplier. And I remember, you know, back in the day when I was younger, I would, you know, ch- would choose to go to a grocery store instead of buying it from a butcher right next to me. And uh, other examples like that, where I as a consumer was mm-hmm. lazy. And I said, eh, you know, it doesn't matter because at the end of the day, uh, mm-hmm. I see a package with, you know, let's just use meat, for example, I see a steak and I see it in a box. And to me, it looks the same, but God, the source of it is so differently. And until I got educated on it and read mm-hmm. more up about it, I didn't know. So I think that it's, I, I would give responsibility to the consumers as well. And I think if they make the change, then they breed more organizations such as Naledo. Um, by the way, am I, am I pronouncing it right? Yeah. It's Naledo? Naledo. Naledo. Yeah. I want to hear what you guys, uh, you're doing so many amazing things, but I want to hear what you have and do you have any plans as far as, especially since COVID hit, has there been any adjustments that you've had to made, make? And I'd love to hear yeah. how you approached your team. And I'll tell you why. I, I, the same friends that I have mm-hmm. told me that when this thing hit, they had panic responses from their managers and uh, non-transparency. And they're so disappointed with uh how the mm-hmm. leaders have come out and you've really heard a lot that 
this is the time where leaders really have shown their true colors, whether they're good leaders or, or yeah. they're not. What was your kind of take mm-hmm. with your team and your organization when COVID hit? Well, well, I think, uh, I mean, yeah, it's been interesting to see um, the world's response to this <laughs> pandemic. Uh, some, some, some people not taking uh, science seriously. Anyways, we won't get into the politics. To say the least, but, yeah. <laughs> yeah. Um, but uh, so, so at Nolito, we really do believe in science. And um, so one of the biggest impacts um, we, of course, had uh, in Belize, where, where we have our manufacturing facility, we had lockdown procedures there, very strict. Um, and so we had to figure out different ways to get our staff, um, because we're an essential service, food manufacturing, we were allowed to operate, but the buses weren't running. Mm-hmm. And so one of our key team members, our production facility manager, um, nothing can be produced in that factory without her in the room. And if we couldn't get her to work, we weren't going to be able to manufacture our products. So our office manager, um, David, he very graciously, and this is also why, while myself and Umida, my mom, are stuck in Canada and we can't get back to Belize because of travel restrictions. Um, So this is why having a good team is important. We had to trust them to do all these operations themselves. Mm -hmm. Um, So David actually would take our company truck, drive half an hour, (laughs) gas money onto our bill. But, you know, you have to do things to support your team. Um, We had all new uh, food safety protocols that we put in place, of course, uh, you know, to ensure that our food was being produced safely and keeping our team safe from COVID. And then on the sales side of things, <laughs> um, one of our best marketing tools is in-store demos, which all of a sudden are mm-hmm. just off the table for 2020 and maybe forever. We don't know if we'll ever be able to right. do in-store demos again. Um, so all of our marketing budget, that's the be- that was the best return on investment for marketing, mm-hmm. now what are we going to do? Um, we're still trying to figure out. And yeah, we know we had been planning that for over a year and went to a trade show in Canada just before COVID hit. And, you know, our big key retail accounts were like, yes, Whole Foods, we'll bring it on. We love this product. And then mm-hmm. March hit and the buyers were, sorry, nothing new is coming They're into the store. Kind of scattered, huh? Yeah, they, we can't take meetings. Wow. We're focused on buying flour, eggs, toilet paper. So all buyers had just paused any product reviews and all of a sudden we're sitting with inventory trying to <laughs> get this. Wow. Yeah, it was really And do you credit that mm-hmm. – and, and obviously everyone is going through challenging moments where they're going to have to figure mm-hmm. out a way. But one of the things that I think has been very tough is is making sure your staff is trusting you, like mm-hmm. you said. And, and I guess I want to ask – is that do you credit that trust for the team sticking with you guys and not really panicking at any point? Would you say it goes back to that trust that you mentioned? Well, yeah, and we, we you know we were having weekly. I mean, we have weekly team meetings anyways, but we have mm-hmm. we're having them more frequently, especially since we were away. Um, and a lot of our meetings, uh, you know, we we take a good chunk of time each individual. So, how are you feeling right now? What is going on at home? Where are your priorities? Um, you know, let's give ourselves a week, like a week to prepare for that so we can build up some inventory. If somebody orders, then we can just have you come in and ship it out rather than be in full production. Um, so it's, it's having, I think, as you, as you said, 
your friends experienced a lack of transparency. Well, we're very transparent at our company. And so I think that's what's helped us. Yeah. 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 It, it, it seems mm-hmm. like it. And it's just, like I said before too, it's just sometimes the ideas are so simple, which just gives me more perplexed when I see organizations not do it. And it's not easy. Like you said, it's not, and you just mentioned it, right? We don't have a plan yet. It's not that it's just, it's cookie cutter easy, but there are some easy stuff that uh, leaders mm-hmm. at any organization can do. Be transparent, care about my team, you know, and I just, it frustrates me. And this is honestly one of the inspiring uh, aspects of why I started mm-hmm. this podcast was because it, some of the simple stuff that can curate great teams and, and close together teams. And my goal is, is can we create a world where there are no more bad bosses? And when I say that people laugh mm-hmm. all the time, but, and I get it and I understand mm-hmm. and that the classic old bad boss is always going to be there, but I would love, I would love to be alive in a world where that bad boss, the stereotypical bad boss mm-hmm. is foreign to newer generations and loving your team and trusting them and caring for them is, is the norm. It's not even like, Whoa, you know, that's special or, or service based mm-hmm. leadership. You know, I, I love and hate hearing that. I love it because I believe in it so much and people like yourself exemplify it so well. Um, but at the same time, I hate it because I hate that it's a subset. I hate that it's, oh, this is leadership and management. This is service-based and, you know, this is productive leadership. And I'm like, what are you talking about? You know? Um, you know, wh- what happened? Why didn't we hit that uh, a thousand units today? What's going on? But it's less from a punitive like uh so it's less uh you know one of you is getting fired today because you didn't hit the target and having led my own company yes we have hr moments that have been challenging and interesting to deal with um you know and we have had to let some people go and some people have left because they didn't fit in uh to our team but um it's not as hard as everybody makes it out to be if you start from a place of love <laughs> as corny exactly. as it sounds no, but it's not. No, it's it's really not. And that's a problem we have, right? Every time we mention love or something, it comes off as corny. But mm-hmm. one of the things I make sure I tell my team you know, very early on, mm-hmm. I, I love you all. Yeah. I, I genuinely love you. And if I don't, then I am failing as mm-hmm. a leader. I'm not going to be able to work. And I think because you have that root, that service-based root of how you lead and genuinely caring allows you to have those much-needed conversations, right? Mm-hmm. I always go back to, I'm a big sports guy, and this analogy mm-hmm. always works so great. I, I played uh, growing up in high school, and you know we loved each other so much, and we believed in the same goal. But when we got on the court, I used to battle some of my teammates, and we used to really go at it. But that is okay because yeah. we both have a firm understanding of where we're coming from. And just like you said, sometimes, hey, your day on the your day late on this manufacturing, mm-hmm. you know, what the hell uh, is going on? So and I think mm-hmm. those are all okay and needed because you're running a business at the end of the day. But when you have that source of service and you genuine love for your team, I think you're able to have those. When you don't, then it's just then you come off as an asshole and someone that just doesn't care and that yeah. your team doesn't respond. The next thing you know. Yeah you've kind of lost everyone. Well, and you don't get the same quality of work out of your team either. Mm -hmm. And people don't realize that (laughs) they'll say they'll get mad at someone. They'll scold them. (laughs) They don't love them already. Right. They'll scold them. And Mm -hmm. then their work sucks. And then they get called into the office again. Why are you sucking? And then they don't realize the chain reaction that they caused. And Mm -hmm. all they had to do 
was initially just have that care. Like you said, it's not that crazy, right? Yeah. I care about my team. I care about this person as just a person. And then everything else will flow from it. Well, and you, sp- so. you spend so much of your life at work. You know, when you think about how, how yes. much of your life you spend at work, it's like sleeping, work, mm-hmm. and there's a few hours in between. So yeah. why... If I, you know, being somebody who's responsible for a work environment, like, why would you not try and make that a great place to be? Because your team is spending, if you know, if they're with you for a long time, the majority of their life with you. And why would you want it to be an environment that is not pulling the best out of those people? Like, yeah, it's true. It's something that it kind of baffles me. Um, So I encourage everybody who's going to be listening to this to, yeah, start from a place of love and and really in your leadership style, it it is leadership is all about human relationships. Really important. So if that's something that's hard for you, work on it. Get better at it. I hope you enjoyed that episode and I really, really appreciate your support. If you want to learn more, please visit leadershipev.com. If you want to get in touch with me, you can reach me at rdg at leadershipev.com. That's A-R-D-I-G at leadershipev.com. Thank you and see you soon. And just ran a long distance. My girlfriend told me all I needed was persistence. Opportunity come one time, so don't miss it. I listen.